Hi everyone, welcome to episode 53 of Honestly Unbalanced. This week our guest is Christy Christensen. She is absolutely gorgeous inside and out, such a little pocket rocket. I met her at a festival in Udaya, a yoga festival, and I went to one of her ecstatic dance classes and oh my god, changed my life. And that's exactly what Christy is doing for other people. She is changing people's lives through the medium of yoga and dance, dance especially. And she is super into the chakras, the energy centers in the body. And she talks about them so articulately and beautifully and in such an embodied way through this podcast and uh, has really related it to her her life and her growth and her experience along this this life path. Uh, She was training to be an Olympic diver a long time ago before breaking her back. She ended up struggling with depression, anxiety and her own sense of identity. And then she discovered yoga and the amazing chakra system as a map to awakening. And she's just written an amazing book called Chakra Rituals, Awakening the Wild Woman Within. So she is all about yoga and dance as freedom and liberation and awakening yourself to the magic, the power, the beauty that is within. This was such an amazing episode. We loved talking to Christy and we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you do enjoy it, please leave us a five star review. It really makes a difference in the ratings and helps these conversations go up and helps to spread them far and wide. So thank you so much, everyone. And enjoy. Honestly Unbalanced. I'm intrigued that I've met you many times, including like in the back of a taxi, very late night in Bulgaria, haven't been picked up, both of us exhausted. We were actually waiting for a car to charge, a taxi, not the taxi, someone picking us up, the car. Oh, an electric car. And, and in, no, in Sofia, Bulgaria. And no one could work out how to charge an electric car. So we were just sitting there waiting for someone's dad to pick us up in the end. But even then, you were like, you were good. You were like happy, you were vibrant at three o'clock in the morning. So I want, I want to firstly learn about your caffeine rituals because you have never seen anyone so animated at all times of the day. So how, how, how does that happen? Did you say my caffeine rituals? Yeah. What, 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 how, yeah. More oh. like chakra rituals. Is it caffeine or is it chakra? Oh, you're so funny. Um, well, I start my day actually with a cup of hot water and lemon. Sorry to disappoint. Oh, and then coffee. Um, I am, no, I I have a lot of not lot of natural energy, but no, I still do enjoy it. Like I do love a, a good matcha or a good chai latte. I'm like, I like the milky frothy treats more for the, all the taste than I actually uh, dive into the caffeine. Um, I'm actually really, really sensitive to caffeine. So I only try to drink it when I need it. So like mm-hmm. if I'm jet lagged and I'm actually dragging versus having it be something I need every day, because then I think it actually throws me a little bit out of sorts. But you know, I really source my energy, I think, from inside, but also from the people that I'm around. And that night in particular, um, I was in a little bit of a panic because I hadn't, I was roaming around for about an hour, I think, before I found you. Oh, God. And I thought I was completely forgotten. I was like, oh, my God, no one's coming. I just traveled halfway around the world. Uh, It's, you know, one o'clock in the morning, I think it was at that time. And I'm like texting everyone feverishly. No one's getting the messages. So I think when I saw you, I was just so elated that I was like, okay, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> so I think in that moment, that's where my energy um, came from because it, it felt, it was like, okay, we, me alone, maybe not be able to figure this out, but me and you, yes, we'll be able to figure it out even if no one's coming. <laughs> it's not really a normal reaction most people have yeah, when they see people run away when they yeah. see me like late at night. <laughs> No, it was like I remember it so clearly. And I think this is the last time we saw each other. It was, which is like two years ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was two years ago. Mm -hmm. Gosh. Mm -hmm. So you are a true, I get you just feed off the energy. Not off them, but you. Sounds like vampire. Yeah, not vampire. No, no, no. But you, you thrive off the energy of other people. All the time, is for sure. Because I know there's lots of yoga teachers that are like situational extroverts. Is that when they're yeah. in front of people, they turn it on, mm-hmm. but then when they're not mm-hmm. in front of people, they the, yeah. the moment class has ended, they t- they they go off and they want to be alone and want to hide in a room or just don't want to speak to people. Mm-hmm. But from what I know of you, you you really do thrive off people at all times. I do. You know, I I think 
I wouldn't have known this until I started traveling so much teaching that of, of, I would have said, oh, yes, like I'm always on when I'm around people. And that's that's where I I really get my energy and that's where I wake up. And but now and then if I'm tired, I also need to be around people like I really saw that as I, I thought I was an extrovert in that way. But as I've traveled so much and been around so many groups of all sizes of people, after I'm a day of teaching somewhere, I do need to go back to my room and I do need to be quiet. Like that's how I do now living in the way that I have been, you know, living for the last seven ish years. Um, I now can see the, the recharge benefit of actually just being silent and being by myself um, and recognizing that I don't have to do everything because I always wanted to be a part of everything too. Like, Oh, okay. I want to go to the concert and then I want to go to dinner and then I wanted this. And mm. cause that I thought was going to be fun and where it got to a point where I was like, Oh no, actually, if I do that, that's going to deplete me and I'm not going to be able to show up as my best tomorrow. And that's now more important to me than missing maybe this great moment. Mm. And maybe even I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. It does. And maybe even the solitude that you now crave, <laughs> actually makes you then thrive even more when you're in front of people. There's been an element of missing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I actually haven't thought of it that way, but for sure. And, you know, I'm very, very lucky, which I think uh, you two both are as well, that, you know, what I get to do for work lights me up so much that it's also hard not to be energized and activated by that. Yeah, no. So how have you found the last 18 months then? Because so much of what you do is in front of people without masks, like throwing yourself around the room. You connect with people, you hug yeah. people. And I have to say, oh yeah. my gosh, your class, I think it was like a chakra <laughs> dance class I did with you at Udaya. Yeah. Pretty much life-changing. Can't even put it into words, but it was incredible. <laughs> your energy, my gosh. So you must have really been missing that the last however long it's been. Yes. Well, you know, at first it was really, really challenging. Also just um, my physical body and my psyche has not been in one place for more than three weeks pre-COVID mm. for almost at that point it had been six years. Wow. So I think also like even like the first couple of weeks it was, it felt normal because normally when I would travel, I'd be gone for two months or three months and then I would come back to LA and be back for about a month. And for those first two weeks, I would kind of collapse and just be at home, like, you know, getting recalibrated, doing all my, you know, self-care rituals, trying to like, you know, come back to life. And and then it was like, okay, time to go again. So after the two weeks, the three weeks, my body and my psyche were like ready to go. And it was like, so it was this kind of like this weird internal battle that I could have never imagined. So that was um, one phase of it. Um, Early on, I got approached by a, an online platform called LiveKick, actually right before COVID. And they're like, we really want you to bring your yoga dance experiences online. And I was like, no way. Mm. <laughs> I was like, it will never work. It is an in-person experience. You know, this is all about us feeding off of each other. Like the music has to be a certain way. I have to really be able to see these people. I have to see their facial expressions. And I was really, really against it just because I just didn't think it would work. Mm. I actually didn't think it would work. And then after COVID hit, um, about six weeks in, they called me back and they were like, so <laughs> would you be willing to try it now? And we did. So I did it with one of my DJ partners, Marcus Wyatt. And we're like, okay, let's just, might as well just try it. And it was actually really amazing. I mean, it wasn't a diff it wasn't the same experience as it would be in person, but it still was super powerful. And even though it was on Zoom and but I could see all these boxes of people that at the beginning maybe were just like, Okay, what are we doing to the end? And they're like dancing <laughs> and going nuts. And yeah, and, and I feel like especially during this time where so many of us have felt restricted and on lockdown and in those early days, like we couldn't really go anywhere beyond the grocery store, our beaches and our, you know, hiking everything out, all of our outside stuff was closed. Mm. So a lot of us are living in our little places and, you know, we're kind of like this and we're in this fear response collapsed yeah. and and then having this really liberating experience where we're moving so much energy, it in that moment became like, oh my God, this is what I need every week. Mm. And then, and, you know, seeing everybody dancing back, like I wasn't getting the energy back in the same way as I would be in person, but it's still like Marcus and I were like, oh wow, like this is, this is helping people. 
like this is helping people. And it was it when it was fun and it was exciting. So we did that for almost a year. Wow. We did it wow. um, almost every Sunday for a year. And and through that, uh, we ended up getting invited to Mexico. Um, some beautiful hotel called the House of Aya. So if you ever mm. want to go to Mexico, I have like for like the, <laughs> the most amazing place ever. Wow. Um, that someone on their staff saw it and then brought it to their like the guy that owns the place and was like, hey, I think we should bring this here. It's an all inclusive resort. And this could be like a bonus ad we give to our people. And we got a phone call and we ended up we we're supposed to go for a couple of weeks. We ended up going for six weeks. And then three other hotels ended up hiring us after that. So I ended up spending five months in Mexico. Oh, my gosh. I think I saw some stories on your Instagram. I was thinking, where is she? This looks amazing. Yeah. Like dancing on the beach and all these shacks around yes. and stuff. It looks amazing. As an intro, like a side question to that, which is unrelated but related. When opportunity, at this point in time, like so many companies mm-hmm. have started up in response to COVID. Like an infinite yes. number of online platforms, you know, tech people. Mm-hmm making it work for them. How would you figure yeah. out which opportunities, not are genuine, because all of them are probably genuine. Right. How would you work out which, you know, I'm sure you get so many people approach you in different ways through email, social media, et cetera. Right, which, right, right. Which right. ones are genuine? Which ones are actually gonna work for you? How would you kind of filter out the fluff or kind of the new mm-hmm. companies that don't have a lot of backing to the ones that could be genuine yeah. opportunities for you? Mm. Right, that's a great question. Um, it's not easy. I mean, because there's there's something I think in us that wants to go with what is tried and true. Mm. <laughs> you know, at, at, at times, like, and I think during COVID specifically, I don't know if you had this experience. Is I didn't have. I did. I, I will admit, I didn't have the same energy that I normally did. Like, I had. I had limited energy. I had limited focus, and ironically. Um, the conditions of everything going inside was actually what I needed because I was right. That was actually when I was writing the book. I had just started writing the book one month before COVID hit. So the energy I did have for the most part, I was trying to direct into and the, the limited focus I had was trying to direct into writing my book. Um, so when these other people were, oh, I'm starting this 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 platform, and what what's different about us is we are going to measure how the joints are moving in space, and people uh. can actually, <laughs> be, you know, like I was like, oh wow, cool, but that sounds really complicated, yeah. and how is that actually going to? People are going to get a report after their class. It's going to talk yes, about it, fix their alignment. Can I just say, as just on a side point, because I've seen a few people like apps like that that measure how yeah. you should be in a pose. Yeah. To all the listeners, ignore those apps. Like you. you that is saying that there is an absolute alignment. There is a correct alignment mm. that you should adhere to. Yeah. That machine yeah. or whatever it is doesn't know your the length of your limbs, doesn't know your proportions, doesn't know your joints. So everyone avoid anything like that. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted. But well, I think that's I, <laughs> yeah, no, but but like, the, but the, those were the kind of like it was everything from that to you know there was all these things that you know people trying to you know figure out how to take advantage. Yeah. lack of a better word of, of this of this time and yeah. so i really had to go off of of like instinct of re- like you know i'm a big person with language so read it like was their email compelling like did it make me actually want to take a second step and have a phone call mm. you know because if if you read it and you're like eh, i don't know you know and and again I, and i have to be okay with that i misreading something i'm um Again, my focus is here. Yes, I could use some extra income. Yes, it would be silly not to do something online at this point. But what what is coming? A lot of my my mantras last year was like, what is happening with grace, speed, and ease? Because everything was so challenging. Um, with with you being a traveling teacher too, Adam, <laughs> and 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 Holly as well. But you know, one one day my schedule is booked to travel to more countries and be away more days than I'd ever been in 2020 to the next day, I don't have work for an entire year, mm. you know? So that was a big, like, a big balance to be like, what am I gonna do? I was not fearful I was gonna get COVID or die of COVID. I was like, okay, chances are I probably am gonna get COVID. I'm super healthy, I'm gonna be okay. Obviously I didn't wanna transmit it to somebody else or be responsible for, you know, for someone else being ill. I was more, my fear came from, I didn't have a backup plan. Mm. I thought I was diversified because I went to 19, 20 different countries around the world. (laughs) I didn't imagine like all the, I was like, even when it first started happening in China, I thought, remember having a conversation with Dave Stringer because we were actually supposed to go to China shortly after. 
And I was like, okay, well, if we can't go to China, yeah, that would suck, but we'll be okay. And it will come back in a year. You know, that was kind of the dialogue. I never imagined that all of a sudden everything, I didn't realize how much I had all my eggs in one basket. Mm. So my, my, my fear and my distraction and my, all the, what I was dealing with really came from that place of being like, okay, I'm in my early forties. I'm not married. I'm single. You know, how am I actually going to take care of myself if this is, if we're in this for the long haul, um, what am I going to do? And that's, that was, I think the place where my energy was being drained and pulled and, you know, being obsessed at looking at all these numbers and getting these emails from people in other countries telling me what's happening there. And, um, and then it was just like, okay, well, I'm definitely not going to be going back to work there. And this, that, and the other. So, sorry, this is like a long answer to that's your question. Um, so, I think that my first thing was like, okay, who do I already have relationships with? Because I, I needed some kind of foundation, just like anything. Like, I wanted to, I, it felt safer to have some, okay, I already have a relationship with these people. I've worked with them before. I had a positive relationship with them and they have a big enough platform that I'm not going to be the one hustling to get people to show up every day. Mm. Like that felt like too much. Cause many people were like, Oh, just start your own thing. And I knew I didn't have at that time because I needed again, 90% of my energy to write the book. Cause this was a whole, I'd never done that before. <laughs> that was a whole new thing. And to you know, launch an online platform of my own and having to teach every single day, not just teach the classes every day, that probably would have been the easy part, but then the marketing behind it, the yeah. hustling to get everybody there and and all that, those other resources of, of not having a team of people working for me. So um, I, I, I was pulled to, uh, the two companies I worked with predominantly during COVID was Livekick and Homestars. And Livekick was a new company but they were the ones that were able to do the, the, the music experiences and I could bring in live music, I could bring in DJs and I could simulate in some way that energy of those big in-person events in a, in a, in a pretty beautiful way. Um, so for that, it felt it was okay that they were a new company and then, cause they were providing me something I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And then Omstars I had worked with for years. So it made sense to return back to their platform as they launched a live uh, schedule, which is a uh, Kino McGregor's um, yeah. platform. Yeah. So did you find that so. <clears throat> you were sort of really being asked to s surrender almost to everything that was happening and then did things sort of naturally fall <laughs> into place or how did it kind of pan out with the fear? Um, yeah, I, it was, so what, what I realized, um, I, this, so this, this, parallel happening of COVID and me going on this venture of writing a book were actually really similar. Um, I didn't realize until I started really getting into the writing process um, of how much fear I had mm. around do, actually doing this and how almost I thought like it, it kicked up everything that was in my shadow. It kicked up my unworthiness. It kicked up, how did I fool these people to give me a six-figure <laughs> book deal? You know, I mean, like it literally <laughs> kicked up everything. And so at the same time where COVID was doing something in, in a very similar way of kicking in all these other fears of like, what is, what is my actual biggest fear? That I will not be able to support myself right that i will that i will be uh, this is going to be really vulnerable for me said that i will be alone forever right so like th and that's the conditions covid was creating mm -hmm. for me to like actually like be, oh yes here's the validation that this is true <laughs> you're going to die alone in this apartment <laughs> because wow. of this you know i mean i know this is crazy but so and then i'm like trying to write this book at the same time and um and at first i think um i can admit this now that i'm on the other side of it that it was almost like oh well if i this is was not this was not conscious, but I feel like on an unconscious level, it was almost like, well, if the book sucks, I can blame COVID because do you know what? <laughs> like it was, I could, I it, it not that wasn't a, a con it, that wasn't conscious, but I think if that was something that was coming up of like, oh, I can use this as an excuse, even though I couldn't see it as separate at the time, yeah. but like that's how much this book kicked up for me, and my job became every day of like, okay, I'm I'm in bed. I'd like be laying there and I'd be like, okay, Christy, like, so what? All your work fell away. 
No, that's actually not true. What is raw, real, and true? What is real is you have a book deal. If you don't get up this morning and start writing, you're going to miss your deadline and you're going to have to give your money back. (laughs) And then you're going to have like a bigger problem. So this may not be the form in which like you want to be, this kind of goes back to something you said earlier of like how this energy exchange, like that was how I've lived, right? I give you an experience and I get an immediate response back. The book was not like that, Mm. right? It was just like writing out these days of isolation and COVID. I'm just writing and writing and writing and writing. And then I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck. You know, oh, okay, that's pretty good. I suck, I suck, I suck. Oh, that's pretty good, (laughs) you know? Um, And and then you're waiting months on end before you get any feedback from everyone. So then, of course, while you're waiting for the feedback, you're just like tearing yourself apart, at least I was, even more. They're going to hate it. They're going to tell me they're not going to publish it. (laughs) Like, it was... Um, it was really, really, really um, intense. And then I would say about, you know, three months in, it was just, I had a beautiful opportunity of a, a dear friend of mine. Um, we had just gone through the riots here from mm-hmm. after the George Floyd killing and um, where I live in particular, um, I live off of Melrose Avenue in West Hollywood, Los Angeles, or West Hollywood, California. And the helicopters and businesses getting blown up, like literally like walking distance from where I was. So it was really, that was just like a whole nother level of, of, of terror and what like is the world ending kind of moment. And I had literally a guardian angel come, come to me, a a, a girlfriend of mine called me and she's like, Hey, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm holding on by a thread. Like, I don't, I don't know what's happening right now or what is going to, cause like, I didn't know if we were going to come into a civil war. Like it was that kind of energy was, that was that pre COVID um, that time. When was that? No, no, this was in June. Yeah, This was, was in June. Time. So <clears throat> it was in June. So that was the crazy thing. Um, end of May, but the riots really started um, end of like May 30th through like the, that first 10 days of June. So it was interesting. Cause I was kind of, coming to this place of like, okay, I can do this. I'm finding my, my rhythm in, in this and like trying to really go to gratitude of like, okay, like you have the time and space you need to dedicate to this book, you know, like just be grateful for that. Right. And then this whole thing happened and it was like a whole nother layer of that. All these experiences have been experiences of we've never been here before. Mm-hmm. Right. We had no frame of reference of COVID. We had no frame of reference of this kind of, at least in my lifetime, um, or in this cl- close proximity of something of, of this nature happening, um, you know, with with the the George Floyd murder, and then and then also me writing the book. So I'm, I, it's still all part of it for me. And this woman calls and says, "Why don't I live in Orange? She lives in Orange County, which is about an hour from here, but like a world of difference, right on the beach." And she's in real estate and she had a home that um, she invited me to come stay. She's like, why don't you just come for the weekend? And I go to this beautiful, beautiful home. Like if I could close my eyes and imagine a home, like this would be it. Mm -hmm. Like it's outdoor, indoor living. You have views of the canyon, views of the ocean. Mm -hmm. I mean, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I stayed there for a few days and I was getting ready to go back. She's like, where are you going? I was like, oh, well, I'm going back to LA, you know? And she's like, well, I talked to my husband last night and, you know, he thinks that having, you know, energy, having your energy in the place is going to help it sell. So would you like to stay here until it sells? So I went from living in like literally a 350 square foot apartment to living in a $6 million house. I mean, like, I mean, and, and I, and I was there for three months and that's where I finished writing my book. And even though I was still quote unquote alone, like I was in this beautiful spacious, it felt safe. It felt inspiring. I was connected to nature. I could wow. walk right down to the beach, swim in the, and that was just, that was such a turning point for, for ev- like for my nervous system. That's when I really nervous. I really realized how much my nervous system was so jacked up. Wow. Um, did you, and did, did, yeah. you rip, did you rip that for sale sign down? Did it accidentally fall over? I know. Right? <laughs> I wonder how your book would have turned out if you'd been in your 350 square foot apartment, if it would have been the same book or completely different. <laughs> you know, it, it'd be interesting because even now, one of the interesting things about by the time um, I want to give a shout out for anyone who self published a book. I have no idea how they did it because if I didn't have a deadline, I'd still be rewriting this book mm. for sure. 
because once you like turn it in, like you're still rereading things, you're still, you know, and then when you get it back with the, with the round of edits, you're rereading things, you're like, oh, let, let's change that. And you can't. And you're like, well, wait, no, no, no. But, but they're like, is it wrong? And you're like, no, no, no. But I think this would be better. And they're like, if it's not wrong, you're not changing yeah. it. Like there became a point where you weren't allowed to change anything. And I was like, I have, this is not what I, so what, what I've now learned and surrendered to is this was a book that was, this is where I was when I wrote it. If I re, even if I rewrote this book today, oh. it would be a different book. Yeah. Even if it was the same structure, just like when you're teaching a yoga class, right? Like you could have the same idea of, you know, where you're headed and what, but maybe the message that comes out mm -hmm. is going to be a different experience or based on the bodies that are in the room, right? Like it's going to go in a whole different direction. Right. So um, there came a point where I really did have to surrender and and now that it is here in the living form, I'm Yay. like, okay, no, it, it's imperfect. It's it's actually perfect as it is in this moment, right? And if, if I wrote it again today or my next book will be completely different. And um, yeah, tell us about yeah, the book. I think Can I say how wonderful it is to have <laughs> spat out. Like, so COVID's happened, you started without a book and COVID has mm -hmm. ended, I, well, ish. And you now have a fully published book. That's yeah. like a big, yes, solid takeaway. What, yeah. what did you produce in COVID? Just a, a, uh, a, just, a published you know, book, yeah. casual book. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. Tell us, tell us about the book. Yeah, What's no, it the, it, 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 the, the book, the book saved, even though it brought up all my shit, it also saved my life because oh. it, if I wouldn't have had something to get myself out of bed every morning and I would have just stayed on the computer watching all the, you know, I... Mm probably would have had a mental break, not to be like dramatic, but I probably would have had a, a mental breakdown. Mm. So in so many ways, it was the process of writing. And even though all the stuff it brought up in me, like I really do think the book became my teacher. Wow. <laughs> you know, in this really weird way. And, and the gift of writing the book became something very different than I thought was going to be the gift of writing the book. Oh, so anyway, um, it's called Chakra Rituals awakening the wild woman within <laughs> even though men can read it too but it is it is um gone it, it is get some, through get, the feminine get, get perspective some knowledge i can read it and get some <laughs> yeah get some, it, get some yeah i mean and most of it is universal but it's it's you know it's through my perspective and mm. i identify as a female and um and one of my biggest missions is to i want help to help people wake up i want them to wake up to the power and to the mystery and to the love of, of all of who they are, of, of wake up to all these empowerments of life. And, and that's kind of what feeds all of the, the kind of experiences I, from, um, I, I teach and lead in person as well. And to me, I haven't found a better map um, than the chakra system. For me, it is this evolutionary map of awakening, of healing, of transformation, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And it's full of color and it's dynamic. And it's, it's, I, I see that the chakras as these, you know, wheels of dynamic power and they're all dancing and singing to each other, right? Like they're all, they're all moving in this really, really beautiful way. And um, my, my goal with the book or, or one of the goals with the book was to, how do I make this word chakra not be woo woo to the outside of the yoga world. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to, to make it really, I wanted to give people access to this system in a way that was really grounded really practical mm -hmm. so they could see actually the impact of doing this kind of personal work on their lives and the lives of, of the people around them. Um, so that was really um, the goal, and so how would on on a let's say the the a listener here has a basic knowledge of the chakra system, mm. even if you know even yeah. if it's a two hundred hour yoga teacher, they might have yeah. just skimmed through it for an hour on their training. Yeah, but lots of our listeners yeah. are maybe to listeners that come to my class that I don't talk about mm -hmm. chakras. Holly does a little bit yeah. more. I love but yeah, them. so how would you describe it? How would you articulate what the chakra system mm. even is? Yeah. So in the most simplest terms, chakras are energy, right? And we are made up of, our world <laughs> is made up of physical energy and subtle energy. And the chakras exist in the subtle, but they impact every facet of our physical, our physical life. 
we have thousands of chakras in the body because they're just vortexes of energy, but there's seven main ones that are contained within the physical body that start at the base of the pelvis, the low belly, the solar plexus, the heart, the throat, the third eye, and the crown of the head. And it's important to note that even though they run vertically, that there's no hierarchy amongst them, mm. right? The crown isn't better than the root, the heart isn't better than the second chakra, than the low belly, that each of them is their own mini brain, right? Each of them is their own energy data bank, you could say, that is responsible for a different level of consciousness, that's responsible for different parts of the body, different glands in the body, different systems in the body, different parts of our psychology, like so that they're all contained within. And when we're studying them, we look at them one at a time, right? So that we can get to the root chakra is about you know, really, really about our physical body of coming home to our body being how, how do we treat our body? How do we take care of our body, our own survival needs with our body, our root relationships, our primary relationships with our family, where we come from, our connection to our ancestors, our connection to the earth, our connection to the planet at large, where again, the crown of the head is all about our connection to divinity, right? Our connection to divine grace, the remembrance of the, the energy that's running the cosmos is the exact same energy that's running our body. So two completely, completely different energies. And that's how each one has its own, its own set of attributes, I guess you, mm. um, you, you could, you could say. And when you start to learn about them, for me, it, it's been a map of, of not just healing and awakening, but of returning home to actually who I am. And, 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 and it's been like, yeah, I catch myself in those moments of even say writing the book when I was feeling so small and I was really being caught in the fear and I was feeling unworthy and it's like, okay, like my third and my first chakra, third chakra is all about power and self-esteem and, and, and courage and will and dedication to show up every day to actually say yes to living your life. And this is obviously from the psychological aspects of it, but, um, and then first chakra does deal with fear because that's the most primary, you know, instinctual um, emotion that we have at this root, at this root level. And it made sense because what do we need to feel safe? We need grounding, right? The coronavirus hit. What happened? My foundation was ripped. The, the world's foundation was ripped up, right? What are most of a lot of our work fell away maybe family members were sick or maybe family members passed our, our health in general, also first chakra, of like, are, am I going to survive this? You know, our well-being, our health, all of it. So first chakra is roofed up. And then from there having no solid base, you know, what's happening here. So I, everything for me now is the lens in which I see the world is through this, this system. It's like, okay, well, what do I need to feel grounded? What do I need to feel safe? Let me take care of that first. Okay. Mm. For me, one of the ways I ground is through food. So it's like, okay, I know I need to eat warm cooked foods. Raw foods don't work for me when I'm in those states. Mm. You know, what do I, what, what else do I need to do? I need, actually I need to get more sleep because mm. I'm probably not sleeping. And then, oh, I need to move. I need to do something super physical with my body so I can actually feel that I'm in my body. Mm. So maybe that's a vigorous yoga class or maybe it's to go, uh, I'm not a runner, but like go for a hike or get, you know, get, let the body moving and then it's like oh okay i'm in this body okay now i feel settled now how am i going to address this what's going on like what is really this issue of me feeling unworthy what is you know i can i start to use oh wait that brought me joy okay good now that lit something else up inside of me okay oh i can be tender with myself that's my heart and how all these things start to play um like anything it's it's um it's a practice of, of paying attention. You know, we, we wake up in, in a way and we start to pay attention. And from that, um, we have, we, it awakens choice. And from choice, we can, you know, come to a place of change and transformation. And, mm. you know, anyway, sorry, that was a big ramble. No, that, was, <laughs> oh, oh, that was so fascinating. I love listening to you talk about that. Um, I was just thinking we should go back because I'd love to know how you, um, you know, discovered the chakras and a bit about your journey, because I know uh, we were reading that you were training to be an Olympic athlete, uh, a diver, and then you had a serious yes. injury. So how did it? Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. Yes, I um, I was training for the um, Olympics in the sport of platform diving. 
I uh, used to throw myself off a 30 foot, 33 foot (laughs) um, or 10 meters. Um, Yeah, stand on my tiptoes or do a handstand and flip, you know, two, three and a half times and try to get in the water with no splash. Um, yeah, I think now I'm like, oh, I think I was a little crazy back then. <laughs> how, how old are you at this point? Is this like a teenage years? I, I, so I was a gymnast first and then I moved, I shifted to diving when I was uh, 16. Mm. Yes. So I actually started diving quite late um, compared to, you know, many other, many other people, but because I was, I was training in gymnastics at an elite level. So it was, I, I, I compression fractured my spine in gymnastics and that's what caused the end of my career. My parents actually made me uh, quit after that. And th- that way, after I healed from that, my gymnastics coaches were actually the ones that suggested I try diving. And there was nowhere at the time where I lived, didn't have any kind of facil- proper facilities beyond like a country club pool. So I uh, went to Florida. I was living in North Carolina at the time. I went to Florida to go to a diving camp for a couple of weeks and I ended up staying the entire summer. And then the coach tried to convince my parents to allow me to move down to Florida to, to train. And they said, you know, we could get her a scholarship to college. We could get her on track to make an Olympic team. Like she's super talented. Everything that mm-hmm. she's done prior is like, she's pr- like, it's, it's fine that she's just starting now, you know, kind of thing. My parents were like, hell no, she's not moving away from home. Oh. Um, I was a pain in the ass for a year that the next summer they let me move. <laughs> so I ended up uh, moving to Florida. I finished high school there. Um, and it was, it was amazing. And, but I, because well, we assume um, because of that injury I had of, of having the compression fracture at T12 when I was 15, um, my back became something I just managed my whole time, the whole, my whole career and I know you also have done a lot of elite level uh, athletics, Adam. Not, not that elite, <laughs> not elite level. I punch people a lot. Well, but you, <laughs> I see your boxing photos, and you know, I mean, you push, yeah. you push your body to the to the yeah. to the yeah. limits, or not even the limits, but to see what this body really can do, mm. right? And, and there is something intriguing you, in that, isn't there? Like, I think there is something where well, you get so much from really exploring the body to that depth. It's it's almost like yeah. when you train that hard it's like a little microcosm of life like you feel amazing yeah. then suddenly you're like why on earth am i doing this it, it, all emotions in the space of like a 60 minute training mm-hmm. session wherever that might be my view is always i can't be a professional boxer but i can train as hard mm-hmm. as them <laughs> mm-hmm. wow 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 yeah no i mean i i have to say um two things would happen at times that would just be in awe of what the physical body could do and and I loved going to, that's why I loved like going to Cirque du Soleil and performances, like any kind of, whether I was a fan of that sport or not, like the athleticism mm. of what a boxer could do or a basket, whether I liked it or not, it didn't matter. But I just had such, when you're training at that level, you, you know what it takes. Like people are like, oh, that's cool. And you're like, no, 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 you don't understand what they actually just did, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so I was fascinated by, by that and, and just, and, and how incredible our bodies are. But on the other side of it, um, it was all like, okay, how do I not break? It was basically, you know, before practice, after practice, you know, we were chiropractors, acupuncturists Mm. on all kinds of medicate. I mean, the kind of the amount of pills I took back then, you know, I haven't, you know, I don't even take Advil now, you know, but that was normal. You just do what they tell you to do. And um, so I was. I, I was training l- later because I was still getting better at that point because I was, you know, started so late. So my goal was to go to the 2004 Olympics and I was, I was, uh, 24 years old. And that was when my, I blew out the disc and I broke my back. I compression fractured one other time. And then the, the disc, just the disc and the, um, my T12 just basically oh were obliterated. Um, and it was really devastating because I got hurt a lot. Like I had other injuries through there. I had a few surgeries. I, you know, um, and I just really believed that every injury was going to make my story of success that much better. Like, I don't know if you ever watched the Olympics and they're like, 
you know, Adam overcame, you know, one leg was shorter than the other. And then this, you know, and then now here he is on the top of the platform, you know? So I just thought, okay, now each, each thing is just going to, my overcome story is going to be so amazing. Um, I couldn't buy into the fact that this, this part of my life was over, Mm -hmm. but after the last injury, um, the doctor sat me down and, and before we got the results back from the MRI and everything, he sat me down and he said, before you come back, you know, in two days, whatever it was, I want you to think of five things that make you happy other than diving. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking? Like, I literally was like, no, like I was like, no, I literally, I mean, I may not have said it out loud, but inside I'm like, um, and then when I came back, he started with, um, do you want to have kids one day? And at that point I thought I, probably would and I said yeah and he's like do you want to be able to pick them up and I was like well yeah and he's like if you don't stop right now you're not going to be able to and he said the condition of your spine is the condition of a 75 year old woman's spine he's like you have you have bone beyond what's happened with the disc beyond what's happened like you have bone spurs you have this you have that he's like you are going to be walking with a he, he told me I was gonna be walking with a cane by the time I was 30. oh my god um So obviously, and of course I did go get a few other opinions to see if anyone disagreed. And, um, and at that point I really fell into a depression, um, or not, not even, I, like I swing, I I would swing the gamut from like being super depressed to being incredibly anxious, um, and caught in a lot of victimhood of, why did this happen to me? You know, I, at that point I was training at the Olympic training center for diving and watching all my teammates, you know, and like, why is it happening for them and not for me? Um, you know, why did my body not hold out and like hurt and then like cursing my, you know, it made my relationship with my body even more destructive than it already was for a while. And, but now I, now I get that, but this time like yoga wasn't popular yoga wasn't cool like the idea of like even back then if i like if i closed my eyes and try to like remember myself then and when my vision of yoga was like someone in a white unitard sitting on top of a mountain like you know maybe levitating like that's i had no that was like that my frame of reference of maybe what yoga was um but in those times that when we're we're desperate and we're we try things that maybe we wouldn't have tried, I guess would be the best way to say it. And a friend of mine, uh, once I was further along in the healing process, just brought me to a yoga class and I had, I just thought yoga was exercise. I didn't know or, or meditating. And I didn't really know what meditation was either, but, um, and it was, it was really that, that just started turning me in this direction of, of, of moving in this way or breathing in this way, having a practice that was guided breath by breath was actually mind blowing to me because out of all the training I'd done in 20 years of my life, there was no attention to the breath beyond like, if you were like squatting and like, we're, you know, doing some kind of weight exercise, you're like, okay, exhale, lift it up. Like there was no, um, and, and, I, I, that was actually what intrigued me the most at first, because I was like, oh, wow, this probably would have helped us in competition, mm-hmm. right? Like being able to control the breath and the nervous system and all these mm-hmm. things. And um, I was like, why are athletes not doing this kind of training in there as part of their, like, I actually called my old diving coach and was like, he's like, you guys should be doing yoga. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we're only allowed to practice this many hours a week. Like, we can't make you do yoga, like go do yoga on your own. I was like, well, then you should suggest they do yoga on your own. Um, And I was really lucky early, pretty early on in my uh, yoga journey, I was introduced to the chakras. And this is, I think, why I'm so passionate about them because I was not in a good place. Um, I was struggling with my identity. I had, when, when the guy said to me, what else makes you happy besides diving? Like the reason I was like, go F yourself was like, I didn't know I like this had been my whole, like first it was gymnastics. Then it was diving. Like there was no other dream for my life. There was no other goal. I had no other, I didn't dream about getting married. I didn't dream about what my house was going to look like. I didn't dream about where I was going to live. I dreamt about going to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. That was it. There was no other, there was nothing else. I didn't even know what else I was good at because I didn't have, when 
I started training at that level of like eight hours a day at 10 years old. There, you don't do, you stop doing hobbies at that point. Like you don't mm. participate in other things. You don't go on family vacations. And I did it willingly. It was like, even some people are like, oh, that sounds horrible. I'm like, no, it was amazing for me. But like, I didn't feel like I had any other skills. <laughs> um, so that was what was, it, I, I had no, I was so lost because I thought, okay, I, I failed my body, my body, I failed, my body failed. And now I'm a mess and this is going to be my life now. And I got introduced to the chakras. This woman taught this class, but she brought in, and again, I'd never seen anything like she brought in like a poster board and it had almost very similar to like this, but it, they were all one color, but it showed like the movement. They were like, I saw them as like little whirlpools and, you know, she had them over each area of the body and all the different colors. And as she started talking about them, like, I remember closing my eyes and actually being able to like sense into this within my body again, imagined I'm sure, but something about the color and the dynamic power and the way that it just started getting described that I was like, Oh my gosh, I am all these colors. Like, Oh my gosh, I am all these things. It actually started. I think it started waking me up in this way of like, of bringing something that felt very black and white and gray for me for quite a while to like, Oh my gosh, no, I actually am all the rays, all the cult hues of the rainbow. Like that is actually who I am. And right now I basically have sunglasses on all of them <laughs> and I need to figure out how to remove these sunglasses so that I can um, come back into contact with actually who I really am. And as much as I wanted to say the diver was who I really was, it actually wasn't. It was one aspect of my personality that I trained with such dedication and focus for so long that I thought it was who I was. Um, and it was okay at some point that that was the journey of that diver. And that was an incredible part of my life. And if I had a chance to do it all over again, I, I, I hopefully would have made other decisions that would have been healthier for me, but um, I would have, I would absolutely give up everything I gave up again to do it all over again. But um, yeah, I think just opening up to these other dimensions of, of what life is. And, um, and for me, it's just super helpful to have a map, so to speak, to, mm. to make sense of, of me. <laughs> What a story. I don't know if that all makes sense. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I really like the idea mm. of it being a map and something t more tangible to hold mm. on to. Because in the world, like if you want mm -hmm. to research anything at the moment, if you want to, if you want diet, there is there is so many yeah. opinions out there that contradict with that supporting <laughs> yeah. each other. But to of have course. something more tangible that you can stick to, much like, yeah. much like actually, yeah. like I'm doing, I'm trying to be a power builder at the moment in terms of weightlifting. Oh. And and I, and I just just to have a fixed program. You know, there was an infinite yeah. amount out there, but just to pick one and think, I'm yeah. going to anchor myself around that. Yeah. There might be better ones. Yeah. There might be other ones that be yeah. more beneficial, but just this for now is going to work for me in yeah. this moment. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the map that works for me. So that, that's been, if it works for me, I'm sure it's going to work for some other people too. And, and yeah. And, and it doesn't mean if you have a map that you're using that you love, like it doesn't mean you can't also use this map, mm -hmm. but it, mm -hmm. it, um, I, I, what I want, I want people to find, you know, what works for them and it's going to make them feel vibrant, alive and whole. So what's the next step for you? Do you have a, a sort of plan of what's coming up next? Or are you just going to surrender to it all and see what comes, comes in? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, it's, so I don't know if I'm going to be like revealing too much, but um, things here in, in, I'm in California um, are still a, a little challenged. We're not, we're not full free open like a, a lot of the rest of the United States. Um, so I'm not actually teaching in person yet here. Um, I'm teaching a little bit online, but the book just came out a few weeks ago. So my focus has been all on, 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 on the book and getting the book out there and doing events around that virtually. And, um, and I've tried to like, make a few things happen and like try to start making some plans for fall and everything like, and it, then it, it like, it looks like it's getting set up and it looks like it's going to happen. 
and then it falls away. Mm. And this has happened like three times now, like in ways of like that I've been like telling people, oh, yeah, I'm going up there for like two months or I'm packing up my apartment like like that big. And then the thing falls away. So the, the message of surrender is is very much still there. Um, what on the other scale of, of what's next is I, I am working on um, actually I'm heading there today, putting together um, outside of L.A. County. There's different rules than there are in L.A. County. So um, putting together a two day um, retreat experience um, in this place in the desert. So we're headed wow. there today to check it out. Um, yeah, planning for next year. I'm still doing a lot of a, a lot of writing, starting to generate more content that will be uh, released online. And yeah, it's a really interesting moment. I, I, I spend a lot of time actually in prayer um, and in ritual space um, asking. I, I, I've actually returned back to that mantra, please show me with grace, speed and ease what, what you want me to be doing. And where I should be putting my energy and resources, and um, and then I added an amendment to me, um, an amendment to it, and please show me in, in a way that is clear, and I will understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important one. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and that might sound silly for some, but I I really feel like so much of what's happened in this last couple of years, um, even when things have gone wildly wrong. Now being again on the other side, it was like, oh my God, that had to happen for this, you know? So I keep feeling like one of the lessons I'm supposed to be learning is that um, I'm not actually, I'm a co-creator. I am not the creator. And I am really trying to work on that relationship of co-creation. Nice. With the divine. Love that. We're going to do some little quick fires in a second, but there's one question I wanted to ask <laughs> okay. before we go. And that, the one question is, what you teach when you teach public classes or at least event classes, which I know are a very different thing. It's very dark, yeah, so like yeah. lots of amazing movement, really connecting with your body in a very unique way. And if someone mm -hmm. outside the yoga world or even kind of in the general, let's say UK yoga world saw that, they're like, that's, that's not yoga, that's, that's dancing, that's movement, that's ecstatic. Mm -hmm. Now actually, ecstatic dance, although it exists in the UK, isn't that big. Like lots of people wouldn't have encountered mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, okay. I just wonder, so the question for you is, how did you, do you deal with people that might even say, well, that's not yoga or what you're doing, you're just dancing, et cetera. What, how, you, how do you deal yeah. with that? And what would be your, yeah. your explanation? Um, it used to, because yes, I've, I have, um, this is something that has come up throughout my career um, in, some, in some ways that have been super hurtful. Like I was at a yoga journal conference back in 2016 and they specifically, when we were coming up with the classes I was going to offer, they specifically asked me to lead one of these experiences, right? And I don't, in these kind of conferences, they're normally in hotels and they have those like shared fake walls. <laughs> so there isn't a lot of sound, you know, barrier. It's not like Udaya where we're pretty spread out. And um, so you just assume that whoever's doing the schedule isn't going to put something next to you that this is going to be really <laughs> annoying to but, you know, I was pretty, you know, I was new on that circuit at that time. Um, so there was a teacher on the other side of the wall who was had like, I maybe had 50 people in my class and they had a class of like 300 people, you know, kind of situation. And he stopped his class and then addressed the entire students and said, I don't know what that is, but that's not yoga. Uh, He's like, you guys made the right choice in coming here. <gasps> and there were people, students of mine, friends of mine that were in the class. And we went to lunch after and one of them pulled me aside to say, like, hey, I just want to let you, I'd rather you hear it from me than hear it from whatever, but this is what happened. And I was really, really hurt. Like, I was really, really hurt. First of all, I'd never met this person. Like, I knew who they were. They had never, they knew nothing about what I offered, you know, and you're in a position of power. You have 300 people in your room and you've just like, basically annihilated me you mm -hmm. know um and i actually wrote i i found them on facebook and i wrote them um a let a, a little message and then i ended up not sending it because i was just like uh, you know whatever but i in that moment what i had what it really brought up to me is you know what to me 
yoga is an embodiment practice and it's a liberation practice. Like to me, those are the two goals. Get, get me into my body and also how do I liberate and expand and all the things that can come with both of those journeys. And there's not much as one way to get there. Mm. And yoga is, it is, it is union of all parts of ourselves. And that definition, I'm sorry, the definition of it is down dog, warrior two, you know, take a vinyasa, that that is yoga is outdated as mm. far as I'm concerned. And that, that, that we just like, I want people to stretch their idea of what wellness is. Wellness is not just, you know, you know, being the right weight, right? Mm. Wellness is, is, is a whole state of being and how we show up and, and, and every aspect of our life of being well in our mind and well in our hearts and well in everything. So with that same thing, so now I, um, I say to people, like, especially in, a, in an environment that I haven't been before, I said, look, we're going to have an experience today. And I ask you to keep an open mind. And I ask you to actually expand your definition of what actually yoga is. And why are you coming to the mat? What do you want to get out of this experience? If you are wanting to learn the technical aspects of a handstand, this particular experience, like, yes, I could teach you that, but that's not what this experience is going to be. Mm. So I... First off, I invite people to come take the class because it is a guided journey. I'm not teaching you like dance steps, right? Of like, this is what you do. And I believe it's empowering. I believe that it's transformative. I believe that is it is fun and it is super joyful. And I believe we live in a joy deprived culture. Mm. And I believe so much of our energy is on lockdown based off of fear and our own inhibitions about what other people are going to say about what we look like, about how we express, of how we move, how we sing. And this gives people a place to actually experience all these facets of themselves. And what could be more yoga than that? Mm. That's stunning. Oh, I don't know. Such so goosebumps then. <laughs> I, I, no, yeah, for me, like, what you do is almost like uh, it's about it's back to yoga to some degree, but it's like it's like kid attack. It's what? It's like back to yoga, but also yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's kirtan, but the call and response is coming through the body and the movement to the body. Yeah, it's like right. chan- chanting with yeah. the body, whereas I guess I as- love that asana is more like deeper self inquiry into the nuances of the physical mm-hmm. body and more. Whereas what you're doing is yeah. more expressing, and that yeah. yeah, that's how that's how I see. And and I need and I need both. Like I because some questions I get asked because a lot of the photos and videos that get shared of me are from those because that's what looks different right and people are excited about it and um so i get asked all the time do you still do asana and i'm like yes i'm not (laughs) anti-asana like i love like i love like my mats right here i get on my mat every day but like again like why can't why can't yoga include all of these things like all to me dancing's movement meditation Right. Mm. It's it's I I if you, right here is my beautiful altar. Like I it's I, I really for me, I enjoy the, all that. Like I love mudra and I love prayer and I love ritual and I love meditation and I want it music and, you know, having the blessing of your beautiful voice and your sound bowls and all of those things. Like if that helps you connect deeper to you and what's inside you, like how could that be wrong? Mm. Yeah, mm, totally okay. agree. Should we do some quick buys? Do, yeah, do some quick. You want to go first? Okay. Okay, I'll go. Oh, I'm first. nervous. Oh, okay. Um, which which chakra are you most drawn to? Third. Third. Fire. Access. Power. Fire. <laughs> yes. What is sacred to you? Body. Mm. Tell us one thing that most people don't know about you. Mm. Mm. oh my god there's there's a lot (laughs) (laughs) okay hold on let me think what should we what should i share what should i share well maybe that's just because we're talking about it um i stopped dancing for many many years of my life in rejection of my mother oh another podcast for another that's a whole nother story (laughs) what would you but most people assume i dance my own what would you like to do more of that you don't currently have time or space to do oh what would i like to do (sighs) um i would like to actually properly learn how to play the drums that's beautiful (laughs) and and i would like to take even though my friend daphne would say everybody has a singing voice 
I am not blessed with a beautiful singing voice, but I would love to take singing lessons so that I could sing in person or, or, or lead kirtan in little ways, not like Dave Stringer ways or like you. But um, I, those are two things that like actually really light up my soul. But I still have a lot of fear and stuff around um, or like, oh, I'm going to be bad at it. So don't don't even try. But yeah. Um, and last one. Can you leave us with a quote that you love? Um, yes. Um, it's actually how it, it was actually really the inspiration behind my book and how my book begins. Perfect. People say that what we're all seeking is the meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think what we're seeking is the rapture of what it is to be alive. Mm. Oh, beautiful. And that's Joseph Campbell. Thank you so much. And fine, yeah. not a question, but what do you want people, well, it is a question, but what do you want people to know in terms of website, book availability, anything else like that? Yeah, um, christychristensen.com. You can find everything about me there. Um, also, I also have a separate book website that you can get through to, through my personal website too, just called chakrarituals.com. Uh, the book is available pretty much anywhere that books are sold online from Amazon to Barnes and Noble to Target to Book Depository. There's, um, yeah, you'll find many of those on my personal, on my website. Um, but yes, please, please check out the book. It's really, really, really beautiful. It takes you on a seven week journey um, each day. If, and so you spend an entire week with each of the different energy centers to really dive deep into them. It's not a book to read, it's a book to experience. So you're going to be going through uh, micro practices every day um, in different realms of creating sacred space, mudra, meditation, movement, um, writing, mm. and something I call embodiment rituals. Mm, so I, I, I would love to share this with you. And um, yeah, so please, please, please check it out. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you, Christy. Honestly, I'm balanced.